everyone. Welcome to Pod and Point Podcast. My name is Vladimir Bosanek, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike McPhee. Mike, say hi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. This is a podcast where we're going to talk about sports, business, the business of sport, and everything in between. We'll address news, we'll talk about what's interesting, and we'll put our unique spin and analysis on it. Yeah, eventually we're going to interview some interesting people as well, and we're going to make sure this is fun and informative for everyone. A little bit about us as we get going here. We're two great friends, also dads. We've both worked for some interesting companies over the years, and most importantly, uh, college athletes. And so our stories are going to focus on the intersection of all of those experiences. Absolutely. And that's right, Vlad. We're going to bring this to you from Mobile Studios as well. It's all the rage. Vlad's checking in from Seattle, the Jet City, and I'm in the Rocky Mountain City, the mile-high city known as Denver. But we have a global sports perspective, and we're going to talk about all the sports out there, everything that we see that's interesting. And we hope you'll join us each and every week as we journal the globe and talk sports and business. All right, Vlad, you ready? Let's go. All right, Mike, we're back for our fourth episode here. Yes, what do you we think? are. Number four. Love it. It's been yeah. fun. Yeah. Mike, um, I had so much fun when we were recording our uh, little intro last time mm-hmm. with the dad joke. I thought, I, th- I thought I'd bring the dad joke as like a regular kickoff thing here for our show. What do you think? Uh, do, I have one for you. Do we, we're going to insert the groan track as well? <laughs> might, might need to <laughs> find the groan track. Okay. Maybe, maybe. All right, okay, let's hit okay. it. Okay. Why are baseball games played at night? Don't know. Because the bats sleep during the day, Mike. <laughs> there, there. we just lost some audience members. Uh, this you think off. some people hit unsubscribe? Unsubscribe. It's okay. At this point. It's okay. You got to be tough. You got to be tough to hang with this show. Got to be tough. Got to be tough. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, we're going to kick off our uh, speed round now. So uh, we're going to talk about a couple of stories here, and then um, we're going to kick into our... Um, bigger stories are kind of stories of the week uh, in a, in a few minutes. Um, the speed round here, I'm going to start off, uh, Mike, this week. Um, I've got one about the Houston Rockets. So mm-hmm. the Houston Rockets is, as we joked about them a couple of weeks weeks ago, having that game where they had you know something like 58 threes yeah. and they lost the game. Remember yeah. that? Yes, they did. Um, well, now they're out of the playoffs. Um, they are done. Um, and I think they're heading for some major restructuring too. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news, but mm-hmm. uh, Coach Mike D'Antoni um, is not coming back. Apparently, he couldn't even wait uh, to get home to tell the management <laughs> about his decisions. He did it. I'll find my own way home. Ride back. <laughs> he was done. Um, which is which is kind of interesting because Mike was actually coach of the year back in 2017. So mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, he's uh, he's a he's a known en- entity in the in the in the league. Yes. Um, it looks like there was some back and forth on his negotiations um, with uh, with uh, with the management, and he decided just to walk away, which mm. I think gives you a little bit of a of a clip, maybe what uh, what's to be expected here. So, anyway, uh, what thoughts have, have you heard heard about this? You know, the Rockets they've been an enigma for a couple of years here, Vlad. You know, they were trying to corner the market on small ball, the latest version of that, and then assembling the two MVPs. You know, we saw the yep. two MVPs coming together out there at Golden State, and they figured it out for sure. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry figured out how to coexist, move the ball, share the ball, but a different philosophy. You know, James Harden, he is hero ball personified. You know, yeah. he, he is, I'm going to do my thing, and if I, I reach the 22nd mark and I haven't shot it, I'm going to chuck it, and then my teammates got to jack up a three. I mean, that that's that's the offense, right? Um, and then and then they go and get Westbrook, who did the same thing in OKC. And, and so now we got yeah. two of those guys. Um, I guess that, that's probably a good strategy is that everybody's used to that kind of flow, but they're they're a mess, Vlad. I, I don't think it worked for them, and it sounds like there was some shouting in the locker room mm. following this uh, latest kind of debacle. Um, also, I saw one report that was talking about um, Westbrook changing plays during the game mm. um, to kind of benefit himself. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, we're, we're in for, uh, we're in for, uh, for a big churn here, I think. Um, also, um, as we talked about these guys, so Westbrook, I think is going to be 32 soon. Harden will be 31 soon. Okay. Um, it sounds like they have a couple years with, um, with Harden where 
they have to pay him out something like forty-one million next year, forty-four the oh, following year, deals. forty-seven the following year. Big time deals. Uh, big time deals, and this is at the tail end of somebody's career. Yes. Also, Eric Gordon, who is one of the swingmen on the team, is also set to receive seventeen million, eighteen million, twenty, and twenty-one. It's not that long um, ago when those were the big time deals, but the, but that's exactly. kind of probably a middling deal now, but still exactly. a lot of, lot of money. I've also read a report that uh, owner Tillman. Fertitta um, has been leveraging himself and the company <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, so I, this, this, I, you know, I, I saw a headline yesterday that, that, that said something along the lines of like, you know, who's, who's ready to go into this kind of mess? And um, I don't know. I, I think he seems like a, like a tough kind of guy to work for. Uh, some of the language that he used over the you know, last couple of days over some interviews, you know, talks about, you know, stepping on the opponent's throats and slitting their throats. Oh, my. You're kind of like, what, oh my. what is this guy talking yeah. about? Uh, so I, I don't know who's going to want to go coach or play there going forward that'll be interesting to watch yeah they're uh they're 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 a mess right now vlad um and they've got some big contracts on the books so um see how they build out their roster these next couple reset time for a big reset time for a reset indeed all right you ready for story two here vlad in our speed round yep okay we're gonna talk a little bit about gaming and this headline caught my eye this week, and I, and I thought I'd share it with the group. And it's uh, credit out to CNN Business's Carrie Flynn broke a story on the increased focus on the gaming industry. And just want to keep this one quick again. But several business beats are, are kind of changing their approach to it. So, so, so our listeners might recall back in episode two, we covered a venture capital uh, created esports fund. And, and in that story we talked about how new zoo had 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 quoted that they believe 2020 revenues in this industry would be 160 billion dollars right so so this industry's legit this big time money right well yeah. and, and then gamings had had coverage for 10 plus years they've had a bunch of different niche publications they've done some different stories that that their business stories on bloomberg where they they talk about quarterly earnings and different things like that but mainstream press has kind of stayed away from it but then this announcement this past week or this this story over in a cnn business was that bloomberg wired and washington post that the vertical under washington post is their launcher vertical they're yeah. all expanding teams. And here's why I think that's interesting. They're going to expand their coverage Edi of this space. Editorial teams, you mean. Yeah, that's right. right. They're going to expand their teams here. And why I think that's interesting is that that there's going to be more storytelling here, which is a major signal this thing's moving more and more into the mainstream. Because, yep. I mean, how big is the audience that's going to read the Bloomberg report on you know Nintendo's quarterly earnings or EA Sports quarterly earnings? That That's that's a, that's probably a niche in and of itself, right? But, but now as this thing becomes more mainstream, those guys... They're expanding teams. They're going to write more pop culture-like stories. They're going to, um, you know, write spotlights on games, spotlights on the quote-unquote gamers, um, and it's going to be more mainstream. Vlad, what, what's this say to you? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I see this, uh, you know, hundred percent. ESPN has had an esports section on their site quite for some time. You know, Disney XD actually, uh, you know, uh, showcases some of the tournaments. Uh, you know, more and more, you're going to start seeing esports coming into the realm of everything that you know we do, and I'm not surprised at all that you know um, other media firms are catching on, right? Because this is another this is another topic for mm -hmm. for them to cover. Mm -hmm. Number one, but number two, this is now global. I mean, right? It, it, this is not confined to just one country, and it gives really an opportunity for some of these media companies to all of a sudden you know leverage something that that can be that can be you know. On a global scale, right. and let's not forget, um, you talked about Washington Post, Mike. Uh, you know, Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon, owns the Washington Post, um, and Amazon also owns Twitch, which is a gaming platform where all the top players basically, you know, go to to stream right. their gaming. That's right. So um, there's a lot of symbiosis here that I think will only expand in the future. That's right. There's big business in this industry. And and, and as we've, we've previewed, maybe this is an area we'll go a little bit deeper in. And Vlad, I've been attracted to some of the prize money these guys are, are earning um, in yep. the tournaments that they're having in esports and, and, and that intersection of gaming and esports. There's, I think there's some discovery that we can maybe even help our listeners uh, figure out how that whole thing works. Maybe that could be fun yeah. to do. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, one of the early early commentaries that I heard about, you know, people talking about esports is like, wow, who wants to watch people play video games? You know, and I, my answer to that usually is, well, we kind of watch people play other games. It's <laughs> just not with a joystick, you know. But they, yeah. you know, basketball, we watch people play that game. Yeah. Uh, football, we watch people play that game. I think this is just another kind of spectator sport. Um, but it allows itself to be a lot more interactive, you know, different kind of things that you can offer. It's still a little, uh, you know, fragmented, uh, but from a business point of view, I think that will only just coalesce more over the next, you know, decade or so. There you go. Absolutely. It'll be be a big one. So Good deal. All right. Uh, I have another one, Mike, for you. I want to give us, uh, give our listeners an update on UW Athletics. So um, I brought this up in our first show, actually, and I was a little critical of mm-hmm. um, of the athletic department mm-hmm. there and uh, the UW Athletic Director, Jen Cohen, in terms of how they were approaching this whole kind of shortage of uh, of funding. But I mm-hmm. but I have to say they've they've done a pretty decent job sort of since that. Um, uh, so they've come out um, basically saying we're going to be focused on sports. They are going to be cutting about $28 million in staffing and operational Ooh. expenses in fiscal year 21. Okay. Uh, that will include things like vo- voluntary contract reductions, department-wide furloughs and other staffing cuts. You know, what that really means is, you know, if you're a part-time coach, you might lose your job. Um, If you're paid hourly, they might reduce your hours. Um, If you're a salaried employee, they might, you know, not fire you, but not pay you for a while. And you still keep your, keep, keep your benefits, Mm -hmm. things, things like that. Um, But I'm actually impressed that they're looking to, you know, not just going out with cap in hand to their audience. Like I think they initially did, but they're showcasing, you know, uh, some you know big initiatives that that they're doing to to make it to make it happen. Um, and and again, Mike, I have a you know perspective here in Seattle, being you know proximate to UW. I'm sure other schools are doing similar stuff. So you know, obviously, um, th- this is not the only example, right? Um, yeah, the one unexpected kind of things out of this this whole thing is they they actually sort of you know peel the curtain a little bit on on some of their finances. So um, one of the kind of um, landfalls, if you will, is is that they're they're saving about three million dollars in in not going to you know three non-conference football games. So just alone by going to Michigan or not going to Michigan, rather, <laughs> they're saving they're saving about a million dollars, which is which is interesting. Wow! Uh, and another million and a half uh, by not going to Utah State. So so it goes to show you how like one game can cost so much for wow. for an organization like this. They're also projecting you know some some hits in terms of you know gate revenue, which is to be expected, right? right. Absolutely. Um, TV rights and. And, um, but the focus is the focus is on maintaining sports. So they are they are they are that the the idea of cutting sports is not totally off the table, but it is sort of the the last resort, which is a little bit different than what I think Stanford is doing. Mm-hmm. Stanford seems to be kind of culling <laughs> some sports and sort of cleansing <laughs> cleansing what is what what sort of stays. You know, these guys seem to be kind of really focused on it. Um, the school does not have a very big endowment um, for for its size, about one point six billion. Okay. But but I was I you know I have to say I'm 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 impressed kind of with um, with with what they're trying to do. You know, Vlad, maybe maybe there's a signal here that uh, we were right. I think we were aligned on the initial story where they were put out that hat uh, looking for fundraising and and maybe didn't strike strike the right tone, got off on the wrong foot with that, but. From the analysis here, the things you've shared with with our listeners, looks like they're being thoughtful. Uh, looks like they're they're have some little bit of a quality in sharing the burden, and yeah. they've declared somewhat of an untouchable if they're going to commit to those twenty two teams and keeping them all intact. and 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 maybe there's a, a kudos to the leadership team on this one. Maybe that's maybe that's kind of the, a, a a signal we'd love to see from other places because because there's going to be financial burdens. That, I mean, that's that's not a story. The story I think is. Is how you uh, how you approach it, and then ultimately how you communicate it. So, so kudos to them here too if they're communicating this out to the marketplace there in Seattle, and it looks like they're on the right track. Yeah, and you know, I would probably consider a couple of other things here. I would maybe consider getting rid of some of the real estate, but at the same time, I don't know if the university has appetite for something like that, and long term whether that makes sense. Okay, but certainly like a sale and a lease back kind of thing might make sense. Um, 
but you know we'll we'll see where they where they land. One of the things that they also provided was a um, kind of a list of potential risks for the revenue of the department going forward, and this is going to segue us into into our one of our big discussion topics that we're going to chat here in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but they are actually predicting the name, image, and likeness um, to be a potential risk for the long-term revenue for the school. Yeah. And uh, for the UW, uh, this becomes effective July of next year. So uh, we're going to talk about this very soon mm-hmm. also, Mike, but mm-hmm. but it's interesting that that already colleges are thinking about this, or at least you, UW is uh, making a concerted effort to understand its you know, potential and what, what it might mean for the school long term. Yeah, and, and it's kind of like that quarterly report and declaring it out to the stakeholders. Here's, here's, this is a potential risk that uh, we don't know where it goes. So uh, interesting signal. That's exactly right. All right. Well, we're going to take a small break here. When we come back, we're going to focus on this week's big stories. We're going to focus on the name, image, and likeness story that I just mentioned uh, more broadly uh, throughout the NCAA. And also, we're going to take a deep dive into the bubbles and how they are shaping sports. Folks, Mike and I love doing the Pod and Point podcast, and we hope you also like listening to us banter about sports and business and the business of sports. We hope that you will tell everyone about it. Please subscribe, pass on to five of your friends who love sports, and tell them about us. If you don't have five friends, just let us know, and we'll have you join the show. We won't do it to make fun of you, just to make sure we tap into your great ideas. As a small token of our appreciation, we'll also tell you a dad joke. Here's one. Why does a pitcher raise one leg when he throws the ball? If he raises them both, he'd fall down. Ha ha. Thank you for laughing. So subscribe, forward a show to your friends, write a quick review. And if you have story ideas, please reach out to us. Our contact information is included in the show notes. I'd like to just briefly give a shout out for the Freckled Yellow Design Firm. They helped us to freshen up recently. And if you have branding or graphic design needs, you can find them at freckledyellow.com. All right, Vlad, we're back, and we have some interesting stories to cover here. So let's jump into our top stories for this week. All right. The first one is, um, as Vlad previewed for us, we're going to talk about name, image, and likeness. And the money is already going to be an issue or, or a leverage point in recruiting. So let's unpack this a little bit, Vlad. I think we're going to have some fun. So um, name, image, and likeness. I, I've seen the shortcut for that a couple times, and before I really got comfortable with it, I've seen NIL and what, what is NIL. But, but, folks, you'll see that in stories out there about NCAA athletes and NIL, and that's name, image, and likeness. And, and maybe for those of us that don't fully know what that is, let's set some foundational bricks and, and quickly just describe what's name, image, and likeness and what that means uh, for for college athletes here very, very soon. So, uh, Vlad, you and I have a shared beef yeah. with the NCAA and the amateur framework, and, and we've said this before, and, and maybe deep dive on this in another episode, but, but um, you know, effectively, uh, athletes do not get a share of any revenue of ticket sales, media deals, for fans that attend and watch their games. Like, there, there's no share of that. We, we know the, the positioning is they're paying their scholarship, they're getting stipends, they're getting their books paid for, and, and that's that. Um, that that's a different issue. But name, image, and likeness is when these schools are having their athletes show up for a media day. They're posting their pictures out on billboards along the highway by the university. They've got the 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 athlete's jersey with their name and number for sale in their bookstore, online, at the Nike store, all these different places. And in all these instances, the athlete really has no rights. And and not only do they not really have any rights, it probably got to show up uh, or they'll be in hot water with the coach or the program, right? right? You right. know, they got to show yeah. up for that. And then number two, they're not getting a dime, not 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 a cent from any of the money that's generated. Um, and we know that's big business. The apparel business around jerseys sure. just sure. skyrocketed this last 15 years. So they can walk over to the bookstore. They see their name and number on a jersey being bought by fans, uh co-students and whatever, and they don't get a dime. So so what name, image, and likeness is, is a movement for athletes to find some way to, uh, to profit from that, to benefit from those types of activities, right? So there's been some building momentum of late. 
And, and that momentum uh, has a couple different components to it. The first one is some state legislators have gotten involved. And they're putting laws on the books, you know, nod to California as a leader. I think Florida has been a leader here. They're putting, yeah, putting actually some, Colorado too. Colorado Colorado's here too. One. That's right. Yep. They're putting laws on the books that are allowing for athletes to, to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. And also at the same time saying that that, that cannot affect their eligibility. Right. Because the NCAA has mandated all these things around eligibility. So so they're, they're kind of have the NCAA in their crosshairs over this one. And and it's put the NCAA to scramble because they're, they're trying a bunch of different things about how they're saying they're going to put their own rules and regulations in place. They're effectively trying to remain in control uh, because this one could be an opening for, for athletes to uh, to profit from their activities and, and generate some monies for themselves. Vlad, you tracking on this space? You, you've seen and, and, and you know a little bit about what's going on here? I mean, I love this, Mike, and I, you know, I'm a big fan of this uh, as, a, as a former athlete, I have to say, um, and I applaud really the states of California, Colorado, and Florida for really kind of pushing this. I mean, putting into law, essentially, that um, this is coming online. So I believe in Florida, it starts July uh, 1st of next year. Okay. Colorado yep. and California, I think, are about 18 months afterwards. And I think actually Governor Ron DeSantis was trying to use this as a, as a way to recruit. Okay. We're going to talk more later Florida. about recruiting. So that's that's, right. that's good. To, to actually recruit kids into Florida schools because they can start making money. Yeah. Our law becomes effective next July. You don't have to wait. Um, but as I mentioned, uh, you know, up at the hour, at the, at the top of the hour, when we were talking about the UW sports, U, UW and others are probably already all over this and are talking to their attorneys, trying to figure it out. You know, this is far from getting settled. Uh, I think we are in the early stages of trying to kind of figure this thing out. Um, you're seeing the NCAA desperately trying to control this, like you said, keep the money and sort of maintain the status quo. I don't think that is successful. And so what they're trying to do now is involve the federal government to help right. with the with with the rules. As soon as yet as as recent as, as yesterday, right? They That's were right. they were in front of Congress for the third time. I've read. You're you're going to see some more hearings around this. I think all that is is NCAA's attempt to essentially bring the discussion to a to a to a playing field. You know, pun intended, mm. where they can provide more influence. Uh, and what I mean by that, they're going to lobby the politicians. They're they're going to spend a lot of money to make sure that that this stays the way it is. Um, the athletes have no collective bargaining here, unfortunately. Yeah. And if it does go to that playing field, if yeah. if you will, you will likely kind of see the um, NCA beginning to win some arguments here and the uh, and the players lose some of these some of these rights. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they're trying to put limitations around the athletes, uh, what they can and cannot do. Right. So this is kind of a temporary fix now right. while while more regulation comes 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 along. And I believe we're going to start seeing, I, I think, Mike, some of the articles you and I shared with each other this week have been around, you know, well, they can't say what school they play for. You know, they can't sort of, they can't represent the university, right? They can only represent sort of themselves. Uh, they're trying to put some limitations in terms of what kinds of products they can endorse. So, you know, gambling, for instance, can't be endorsed, yeah, which it, I thought was interesting. Lots lots of controls <laughs> are coming, right? Lots, lots of, of controls. But this battle this battle is just starting. Yeah, it, that, that's true. And 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 so I, I think we've done a really good job setting this one up for folks. But I'm going to go and take the liberty and say, Vlad, this is just our first story on this one. I, I imagine we're going to come around as this continues to evolve because I think yeah, we're in the early days here, of right? Updates. Yeah. But the, yeah. the thing that triggered why I thought we should talk this week was that one of the big moving parts here is already in motion, and that is schools using their platform to give access to the athletes to um, monetizing their name, image, and likeness. That that's already started as a recruiting lever. And nod to Sportico's Brendan Coffee broke a story this week 
that a couple power five schools are already putting this into the recruiting pitch. So that's North Carolina, that's USC, that's Marquette basketball, and that's UT Austin. And and they're noted as some of the early adopters. And I'm going to argue and predict here that they'll probably see some first mover advantage here, or maybe they'll get somebody to come their way that wouldn't necessarily have before because they're going to be able to, to, to draw some income from their activities. And so what does that explicitly look like? I'm sure you're wondering is like, what that means is they're going to use their marketing muscle with, with whichever agencies they're already partnering with to market their, their university. But then there's also, there's also even like, like a good marketplace should have, there's some new name image and likeness agencies that are propping up right this moment. And they've got a way to, to analyze the social space. They'll connect these athletes to the right media, to the right opportunities. And effectively they're going to grease the skids for these athletes to just do the same thing they've always done for a media day where you had to show up and grin and maybe you got a sandwich and then you went back to school. Well, now you can show up, do a couple grins, and now you can have some money flow from that to you as, as the kind of the primary actor as an athlete. So, Vod, um, we, we knew this would happen. And, and I, think it's, I, think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a great starting point. And there'll be allegations flying and rules flying and all kinds of stuff. But, but I think it's, it's a really big, good first start here. And um, what, what do you say here as we kind of put a bow on this one? Well, look, first things first, on my media day, I had to go practice. I didn't get a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Coach Thompson. Coach Thompson. This is back in the newspaper days, right? Coach Thompson made sure that we earned earned our keep there, even (laughs) even on media day. Anyway, school school newspaper days way back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Joking aside, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think there's going to be numerous monetization models here. Um, You know, I kind of think about it a little bit almost like the movie industry today, right? Where the top talent, I think, will probably garner most of the revenue. Yeah. And then the rest of the sort of, you know, players, if you will, will kind of feed off the scraps. Yeah, we're seeing that. We're seeing that prediction. Yeah. Yeah, you. I, I think we'll we'll see we'll see groups and you know syndicates probably evolve that you know pro, that can you know promote a group of athletes. So they'll go to like you know right. a Subway or right. like a, you know Burger King and they'll say, hey, I've got these 25, 20 athletes. Right. Um, hey, give us five million dollars, right? And then within those twenty, twenty five, you know, some will receive more, some will receive less, essentially. But you know, but I can see different things like that, like that happening, and and that's a that's a great thing to be honest with you. Um, I I really like it, um, and uh, but like any other industry, you know, this is going to be driven by by economics, right? And I think that absolutely um, the the bigger supply of athletes means that they will be worth less, and so where you're going to see money really starting to flow here is probably on the agency side initially. Um, you'll see probably a bunch of these groups kind of, you know, proliferate, but they'll be the ones probably making more money, you know, sadly. Uh, but I think in a way that's okay. I mean, that's kind of how this market-driven industry should work. And I, and I at least expect, um, you know, the, the kids, even with their own sort of marketing smarts, might come up with some new ideas and new venues and new channels. And as long as you allow that type of creativity, I think that's great. And, and I would, I, you know, hundred percent welcome that. Yeah, Vlad. I think it's it's going to have. I think a number of those market forces will play out in here. Probably very fragmented in the beginning. Maybe then we'll see a big mover come in and buy up some agencies or muscle them out with. You know, they brought their 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 marketing muscle from another part of the agency into it. But but let's spotlight one other thing that I'm just recalling as we're sitting here is is it was. I think in the fall of 19, might have been spring of 19, there was a UCLA gymnast, a woman gymnast that had done, she had done a floor exercise that yes. on YouTube, it, it went it was off like the madness. rails, right? And yes, yep. millions of views, millions of views. And it was so interesting that because she couldn't monetize that as a NCAA athlete, um, she effectively missed out on a, a really unique opportunity for her to um, to gain some notoriety. She just only got notoriety from the views, but but increase her presence and done some other marketing deals around that. And I think that is a is a big one that pushes to this isn't just going to be star quarterback. I don't think it's going to be just. Uh, you know, shooting guard on the basketball team, it's going to be other stories like these gymnasts. Now, maybe it's not everybody, but that's how the market works. It's not going to flow to every athlete in every sport, but you'll get a crack. You'll get a chance. 
Yeah, there's a there's a really good interview. If you if you just Google her, I think she did an interview for NPR or somebody where she talked about that. And I think that video actually that got you know tens of millions of views right. or whatever um, uh, was posted by the UCLA you know athletic department. So all those you know Google ads that were running during that video yeah, was, that's was right. going back to them, right? And this is a perfect example of of uh, you know come on. Right. That's right. <laughs> athletic department got to see those revenues. Um, that's right. Because they've set up that's that right. channel, right? And they got that's how that social platform works. Um, but the 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 tide is turning here, Vlad, and I'm really I excited so. to I see so. how this one evolves. And as I took the liberty early to say this is part one, I can't wait till we get uh, enough juice to say here's part two. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. Well, uh, Mike, I'm going to tackle the bubbles. <laughs> take take two. Um, we're at part two on bubbles. We are part two, part three. I don't know even we've, where we're going to be. We've talked but about I think it a lot, but isn't everybody? This is, so. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is going to be um, one of those topics that's just going to keep on coming back. And I think uh, we're going to be addressing this for a while. So what's uh, the latest, Vlad? Give us Neymar. the latest. Neymar. Yeah. Neymar got sick. Neymar now has the virus. Uh, he came out last week and uh, told everybody that that he's sick. And this got me thinking about stuff a little bit, right? And one of the things that I sort of realized was like, okay, so he's sick. Um, the season is just starting. How is PSG feeling about this? They can't be happy. And it made me think about this from kind of a like an economic point of view. Um, you know, Neymar to a soccer club or any other athlete like him is essentially, you know, an, an asset, in this case, a human asset, right, that earns them revenue. But, and, and they're most valuable by a lot, by Probably by, by ton, exactly, right? exactly. Um, and they've spent a lot of money on, on, on him, and they keep paying him a lot of money, so they want to make sure that this asset, you know, returns the investment at yep. some point, essentially, right? I'm, I'm following. And so- and so now think about you know think about it in a, in a in a business sort of sense if you have an investment in 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 something that's going to produce a lot of revenue for you and then all of a sudden that thing doesn't work anymore you know i.e. in this case uh, Neymar gets sick okay um, that's that is a huge liability for the organization now in this case uh, this you know. Neymar can also get other athletes sick, so they can really be mm. in uh, in a pickle here. All of a sudden, you know, all of this money they've invested in paying these athletes uh, either can't perform, or you know, even worse, right? Or worse. So yeah. I think what we're going to start seeing very soon here, Mike, is um, a set of rules and a set of regulations around you know what you can and cannot do. Okay. As an athlete, uh, this reminds me a little bit of some of the you know, limitations. If you remember back in you know the early '90s when the Dream Team was coming about, one of the big issues was contract negotiation with the teams, right? And uh, and having the teams allow their professional players to actually play for the USA team in uh, you know Barcelona, right? Oh, that was that first iteration of the pros playing. That's exactly right for the country, right? That's that's exactly right. And I think when you and I talked about this, you know, I I believe there are some clubs today that are not very happy or or are not, you know, it's not a given that you can play for a national team during the summer, for instance, in the off season. That's right, right? Mark if, Cuban. If you're on the payroll, Mark of Cuban. Somebody, yeah, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, please no. So Mark Mark Cuban, you said does does this with the Dallas Mavericks, yeah, right? Big time opponent of he's playing all the wages, and then what do you have? He had Nash there for a while. It might have been on Team USA. I don't know, but he definitely had def left Shrimp going over to Germany, and he was well, Na Nash. Nash was Canada, right? Oh, Nash was Canada. That's right. Excuse me. Excuse yes. me. Um, that's right. But he was wondering aloud why he's got to bear the risk and, exactly uh, of these teams now going play for country. So this is and he wasn't being exactly. unpatriotic. He was just as the business owner no. was saying, "Hey, I'm paying the Absolutely. bill here, folks." It's like, hey, yeah. I'm investing in this asset. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm investing in this player. This is my money, right? I want him to be health to be healthy, um, and I think we're going to start seeing this in um, other sports. I think we're going to start seeing this across the board, and I I think this is probably one of the reasons why you saw the bubble in the NBA be so successful. I think all of these owners realized very quickly that in this type of sport, in the sort of contact type of sport, you can spread the virus very easily. So you need to really create something that's going to allow your, you know 
um, for, on an economic term, your investment to continue to you know produce essentially, right? Okay. Um, which kind of brings me to my next point, Mike, and, and this is this is kind of an interesting one, um, and I would love to sort of see what what you think about this. Okay. Um, Before you go there, then let me let me make a, con- a comment please. about contracts um, because I think we might see. So you talked about contracts, we might see more prevalence of risk-based activities in contracts, right? That, that's an angle there. That that's 100%. not a new angle, but I think the risk list grows. Uh, so, you know, there's been hazardous activity clauses in contracts for decades. You know, MJ, yeah. uh, yep. Michael Jordan, he had a love of the game clause in his contract where he could play basketball wherever he wanted. But but other guys have things that can't get on a motorcycle, can't play pickup yep. basketball down the street. You know this from your, your NCAA days. Coach says you can't go play basketball with the with the regular college kids during season, you got to play only with players like those type things. That that's exactly. part. Those are long time coming. But even just recently, Vlad NFL put into the collective bargaining agreement a COVID amendment that if you were to catch COVID and you were found to have what they've called high risk behavior, which they dispelled out as several things around nightclubs and indoor bars and things around fifteen people and such. Vlad, this is already in motion t- today on the contract it side. Right? It is. I think I think you're absolutely right, and I think you're going to see it across the board a lot more. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these contracts have things like, you know, clawback, or you know, you have to pay some huge penalties. Yeah. You know, along the lines of like, you know, quarter of your salary, you sort of forego a quarter of your salary or half of your salary or something like mm-hmm. that if you get sick and if you miss a certain amount of games. Or wow. if you get sick at a certain point in time and the team misses the playoffs and things like that, right? Yeah. Um, I can see this being part of the negotiations a hundred percent. And and I and I think we're we're probably gonna witness that soon. Um so let me unpack this Absolutely. a little further yeah, and kind it. of take it take it take it a step further. Let's um one of the things that, that this got me thinking then even more was okay, um so to have a bubble is essentially a way to kind of put some boundaries around what you can negotiate. Mm-hmm. So if you tell them, hey, we're going to create a bubble for you, right? And we're going to create some parameters around your behavior, mm-hmm. what you can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. And if you still get sick, that means, you know, okay, you, you know, you, you've done everything you can. But if you reach out of those parameters, it is now your your responsibility, right? You're now liable, right? Yeah. And quite honestly, I think the bubbles are also kind of an indication of, a league or or league essentially being very serious about about the value and the health of their of their athletes and and I would argue that if you are playing a sport where there is no bubble I think you should seriously consider whether you should play there because I don't think that is in your interest to be honest with you mm. um Mike we've seen uh bubbles to be very successful uh basketball Hockey in tennis, both at at, uh, right. at US Open and the World World Team Tennis. Right. Uh, the basketball tournament in uh, you know Cleveland also had a successful bubble. Right. Um, were you telling me the MLS was having a successful bubble also? Um, they did. Right. One of the early ones. Uh, Tour de France one, one of the has early one ones, going right ones now. Also, right. Tour de France so, has so, been successful over in France. A couple non riders exactly, caught it, but no, no riders and teams are still intact. Right, so so I think I think bubbles are possible, and I think they're they're a necessary part of um, part of part of the game. What really troubled me uh, over the last week, we've seen a lot of news around um, football, really college football, college football, and NFL to a certain degree, really pushing for the seasons to to you know start. Yes, um, there was one article I read where it sort of insinuated that. You know, NCAA football was almost ridiculing, you know, bubbles, right? I believe the LSU coach stated on record that he thinks almost everybody has caught COVID. Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Um, you know, that to me is like so shocking. I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, there is still science that we are discovering about this disease Likely in the future, uh, as you know, Mike, as we discover more about illnesses, we, we discover more sort of dangers associated with it. We never sort of dig, or, dig deeper into a disease and find that it's less lethal <laughs> or has less impact, right? And I think some of the cardiovascular issues have been coming up um, around this that are, that are very relevant. 
there are a couple of anecdotes around this. Um, there is one from, from my home country of Serbia, actually, which kind of how I heard about it. But there was a Florida State, uh, former Florida State basketball player, Michael Ojo, who went and played in the pro league in Serbia basketball. Bubble or no uh, bubble? No bubble. Okay. Uh, caught COVID. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he passed away. Yeah. He passed away a couple of months later. Yeah. Um, during during practice, right? Uh, he was 27 years old, right? So this is one anecdote. Um, but I think there's more to discover here. Uh, there were some studies, I think, at Ohio State and Penn State that are that are investigating kind of you know the impact of of uh, of COVID on on the on the hearts of uh, athletes, right? And I and I think unsettled, that, right? Unsettled that they, they don't know what that unsettled, means. Unsettled. Unsettled, but you know, directionally, it's showing that there could be uh, there could be a consequence. Let me wrap this all back into our discussion about Neymar. A league and a sport where the resources are essentially inexpensive or cheap or invaluable to you as a business, mm. you're not going to care about them. Point blank. In the NCAA, in the NCAA, a football player is a replenishable resource. Whoa. Let's be honest here. Same with NCAA basketball. And I wouldn't be surprised if NCAA basketball announces very shortly that they're going to you know, start their season soon. Um, in the professional leagues, you're seeing the opposite, yeah. right? When a league or a team has to invest in a human asset, in a resource, they're putting a bubble. They're making sure that their investment is taken care of. Where that um, resource costs you nothing, effectively nothing, you're 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 not incentivized to make any make any updates, make any changes. Wow, you know, like thoughts. Yeah, this we've talked bubbles for now a couple of weeks, and and this is we're going to talk them again. That's easy prediction there, Vlad. We're going to keep talking through the fall as this continues to evolve, but. That's a compelling angle to to look at this this human capital as is it replaceable? Is it of high value? Uh, is it replaceable and therefore then I don't have to protect it as much? Or is it high value, irreplaceable, also known as maybe those top end pros? Then I'm going to curate their experience, curate them with a bubble and keep my potential business revenues um under less risk. That's that's effectively what we're saying here is that maybe yeah. there's the lens here that for the for the entities out there, NCAA, that their their human capital is not as valuable, um, that they will be uh, take more risks because they're trying to collect those revenues from those TV deals. They've got to play those games. Those games have to go on. So that's the Big yep. Ten, which coincidentally just announced today they're going to play this fall. After the last couple of weeks, they've seen (laughs) the other schools saying they're going to continue on. So Big Ten's back at it. Even with a 10 to 3 vote, right? They managed to overturn overturn what was initially voted against well yeah right? it was it was yeah so so the big 10 for everybody out there big 10 is 14 teams head scratcher we all know that one it was 11 to 3 11 to, to 3, not sorry. play and that was an august 10th vote but but let's go i mean that's over 30 days ago we know new information um and and the recent vote was unanimous i mean that's an amazing shift that they had a unanimous 14-0 let's now play and then but they're not going to play for five more weeks, Vlad. So arguably we'll know more by then too. So that's one angle. But secondarily, come back to your, your point you're making. That's certainly thought-provoking that says, okay, if the entity, the NCAA, the org, the school has replaceable assets, w- will they play more free and loose with that? But a professional org 100%. that has yeah. um, that higher-end talent, and let's be real, like a Neymar, um, you know, who do we have? Messi, um, the different guys that are the highest end in the world, uh, yeah. LeBron, the different highest end in the world, they're not replaceable. Those guys get sick, miss games, get injured, miss games. That's a direct, direct impact on the org. Um, so then your argument here is you're saying that those entities will go out of their way or protect that in a greater way. That's an interesting lens. And it's it's pure it's pure economics, Mike, right? And human if, capital, and if, right? It's their human capital that they're deploying to generate exactly their revenues. Right. We've heard human capital used across businesses for for decades. That's and, exactly right. Uh, high end human capital, but wow, 
yeah. I kind of like that that way to look at it. Um, and maybe that's a lens going forward. Any any resource that just is super cheap, you're not going to really care about how, wow. how you spend it, right? Yeah. And I think I think that was my earlier point. If you're playing in a league or playing in a sport where they don't have a bubble, you should really think about it because they're doing you a disservice. I think. Okay. Um, and I feel you know I think I saw that uh, the you know football players from USC I think wrote uh, Governor California Governor Newsom a letter earlier this week yes. stating you know let us play. Yes. You know I have to say I kind of feel badly for them. I mean, look, I mean, I know that they want to play, but at the same time, I, they're, they're walking into something. Any sport that doesn't have a bubble, players will die, coaches will die, uh, parents will die. Th this is not as capable. It may not happen at every school, but it will happen. There was one football player that we just saw last week. Mm -hmm. uh, was it California University of Pennsylvania or something like that? It had like a like a like an interesting name of the school, but but we had, we had an athlete that passed away. Um, you know, uh, there was this athlete in you know Serbia, right? It's going to start happening more and more, and I just think that um, this is something that should be looked into, right? Yeah, Vlad, this this is this is just gives me pause, you know, thinking about all the moving parts and, and we know we're all just in our personal lives. It's there's political angles, there's science angles, there's this state, there's that state. Uh, there's just still a lot of question marks. And uh, I, I think I'm going to use this lens as I as I think about sports and their decisions on, on putting the athletes at risk and what what choices do those athletes have to opt out? Because ultimately, every single one of them could opt out. Um, there will be impacts to that decision, but they could opt out. And and you just feel for those college athletes who are a tad younger um, and have different pressures to play. Um, they are over 18 and can make their own decisions. I'm, I'm not going that route, but um, this one, this one's, uh, it's it's tricky. And um, more is coming out each week, and, and I, I know we'll keep talking about it. I want to spotlight one more thing about that Big Ten announcement, yeah. though, that they're, they're back to playing when we uh, – go in again with our business lens. Um, they're going to play maybe eight games or so, and they're trying to get everything slated in so that they can get back into the playoff argument because they've got to get their games finished by the time the selection committee makes that decision. So um, my, my, my feeling there is not only is that they want to get in there from a competitive angle, but, but that's, that gets you tied to those revenues again, right? And, and they've got... Ohio State is is year over year a candidate to make it into that final group in that final yeah. four. So they've got a, a fighting crack at it. Um, but but there there's business drivers here to get those guys back on the field as well as the passions. I mean we're not doubting that. We're not doubting people want to play. They want to do their thing. But uh, really have to uh, wonder what the incentives are and and the pressures and 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 how um, how these assets and, and human capital are deployed. My brutal analysis of this is the incentives are economic, yeah, and and I think it's it's coming to light more and more. Uh, the more we think about this, and the more you kind of see how these sports teams and leagues are, you know, behaving. Um, it it, you know, I think it's evident. It's evident. It's, you know, I don't think it's something they can hide anymore, right? All right. Well done, Vlad. Do you think we got that one at least Oof. for today? At least for today, I think we wrapped it up. I think yeah. we wrapped it up. Yep. I think next week it'll be—is it story one, story two, or story three? We'll have to juggle that again. Uh, but I'm I'm fired up for our come on, man. Are you ready to go there now too? Let's go. Yes, you got one. As, as got folks one? know, just folks know, we don't we don't talk about come on, man, in advance. So each week we're kind of taking turns, see if we can get the other guy a little bit on the side, a little bit of a poke, uh, not at the other person, but just more at athletes out there. So that's my preamble to come on, man. All right. It turns out here, Vlad, I, I heard the other day that um, you know Tom Brady. Tom Brady just kicked off his new season in a Buccaneers uniform. He looked very different in that Buccaneers uniform. Didn't have the greatest of games. But he's a he, Florida man now. He's, he's a, a Florida, Florida man. man. Yes. He moved his family <laughs> to Florida. And um, it turns out maybe Tom Brady just might not be the best of tenants. Have you heard about this, Vlad? 
Okay, he, what's going on? He, he may not be the best of tenants. And um, it turns out that he was living in a home, and I, I don't know if he throws massive parties, what's his deal, but that homeowner decided to put the home he was staying on and renting, and they're putting it on the market uh, because we don't know all the becauses, but I, I'm wondering aloud if it's how Tom Brady is 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 habitating in that home. And, and let's just talk about that home for a little bit. So that home that he lives in is the home of Derek Jeter. And Derek Jeter... Yeah, yeah, here we go. Derek Jeter is putting the home on the market this week for $29 million. Just a wonderful, on, wonderful price that he's trying to capture. Derek is now down in Miami, you know, as the CEO of the Marlins. So so putting his home in Tampa is, on the market. Right. Is there is is there a is there a moratorium on, you know, kicking tenants out in Florida so he he can't kick him out, but if he still but if he sells a home, he, I tell you, he, he gets rid of Cal- gets California, rid of California and Oregon, he could stay for 5 years probably, right? So, <laughs> the squatters rights. But but in Florida, on, but in Florida, I, I'm I'm wondering aloud are the Bradys are they good tenants? And um, so, so, so Derek Jeter's putting the house up for sale, and I, and I guess now, maybe Tom's got to go get Airbnb, or you know, or what he's going to do. Um, do you think Tom Brady, like in real life, is really, you know, like he sort of, you know, positions himself with having this sort of fabulous, fashionable kind of life and all, but back, but he's just sort of like a guy that like walks around and. In boxer shorts. And <laughs> uh, so now you come, come on, man, back to me. You're like, come on, man, back my way. I love that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how he hangs out at home. <laughs> he just like leaves beer cans laying around. That's what I'm saying. You know, like, rooms. you know, so did Jeter, Jeter, did Jeter check right. his like his home cam and, and he was seeing Jeter, like how's the Jeter house is left? And be like, come on, man, you got to keep this place cleaner. Exactly. I'm putting this on the market underneath you here. So, <laughs> so it just left me wondering like, uh, what kind of tenant he is. And so it's up for sale. We'll watch that one. Uh, with our, our lens on pop culture and meaningless stories. But I've got a final zinger on Tom Brady. As as a resident of Denver, and people of Denver just do not like Tom Brady for all the years that he knocked the Broncos out of the playoffs. He is persona non grata here in Denver. But so just a nod towards them. I'm left wondering, though, because I did read in that story, that the monthly rent was a cool sum of seventy five grand potentially for that Ooh. home. And that wow. nets out about a million for 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 you in a year's time. But but here's my zinger on Mr. Brady. I wonder does he get his checkbook out to write that check, or does <laughs> Miss Bunchen get out her check? Because she reportedly has Mrs. Brady. Mrs. Brady, Mrs. Brady is Mrs. Brady writing that check because she's supposedly worth like four hundred five hundred million dollars and certainly has more career earnings than than Tom does. So yeah, yeah. So but honey, all- honey, it's your turn for the checkbook. Is that is that yeah. how that goes? All, all joking aside, uh, I have a good friend. I used to live in San Mateo, Mike, as, as um, you know, and Tom Brady's a proud son of uh, San Mateo. San Mateo, went California. To, um, went to the- uh, Sarah High. Uh, the Sarah High School mm-hmm. there. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. I used to live right around the corner from there. Um, so a friend of mine is a good friend of his, and their parents were like good buddies. Um you know, stand-up guy. I have to say, I'm not. I'm not sure everybody likes him for his, uh, you know, football playing skills and okay. all of that. But uh, stand-up guy. I can't imagine Derek Jeter is kicking him out for that reason. But come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can only wonder. We can only wonder. You can only wonder. Can only awesome. Wonder. All awesome. Right. All right, Vlad. Mike, that's all I got, man. Another another great show for our listeners. Thank fun. you for sticking around. Please subscribe, forward the show to your friends, write a quick review. And if you have any story ideas, please reach out. Our contact information is included in the show notes. Absolutely. Mike, good game. Good game, man. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>